Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Two Girls, One Shep, where we... No, wait, no, that's the later part of the conversation. This is Two Girls, One Ship, where we review all of your favorite video game relationships. I'm your host, Genesis, girl who wants to apologize for the previous audio issues and today's audio issues and just the overall sketchiness that has been my laptop. I'm Verbata, and if you heard my cat purring last episode, well, you're welcome. Also, just I'm sorry in general. I don't know what I did but I'm sorry for it. (laughs) That's this kind of day we're having. We are the two girls and our podcast centers on character and romance analysis using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to say, stay spoiler free, this is not the podcast for you. So here's your fucking spoiler alert. To Samwise Gamer G for that audio clip. And yes, I will create a new name for him each week because making up a new name each time makes me laugh. And I need that this week. On with the show. And don't forget, lovely people, beauty is in the eye of the controller. Today's love interest is Gunnery Chief Ashley Williams for Mass Effect 1. Ashley is a romance option for male Shepard only in the Mass Effect trilogy. So unless noted, today's Shepard is Burrow Shep. While the romance was intended to be exclusively to male Shep, it is possible for a female Shepard to have a romance with Ashley through the use of save edits and mods. Although some of the dialogue options are missing and Ashley's dialogue will occasionally refer to Shepard as male, this is due to to Bioware accidentally having the voice actors for both Shep's recording lines that were meant only for Bro Shep or only for Fem Shep for some romances. But it makes it a bit more inclusive for a romance playthrough if you do use these mods. Ashley Madeline Williams is a human soldier born on April 14th, 2158, which makes her 24 or 25 at the start of the game. And yes, I will fight this point. We don't know what day or month the mission to Eden Prime was. We only know that it happened in 2183. And based on in-game dialogue throughout the trilogy, it can be determined that the events of Mass Effect 1 only take about a month and a half. With only two people in the entire trilogy being given actual birth dates and not just birth years, and the fact that they're both mid-April making them both Aries, which totally tracks, it can be argued that both Ashley and Shepard haven't had their birthdays this year. End rant number one. Even with her being 24 or 25, it still makes her the youngest human in Mass Effect 1. And Ash is only three-ish years older than Tally, who is the youngest squad mate at 22. Five seconds in, and we got a rant already. <laughs> Anyway, Ashley serves in the Systems Alliance as a gunnery chief in the 2nd Frontier Division on Eden Prime. I just want to quickly add that my suspension of disbelief is maxed out. 
trying to understand how she can be that young and yet a senior NCO, that's non-commissioned officer for you civilians. She has received genetic enhancements throughout her life, the first being an in utero vision correction due to a maternal predisposition for nearsightedness. How extra? Are contacts not a thing in Mass Effect Universe? And then the Class B Alliance Infantry Upgrade Package. So even before getting out of the gate, her parents wanted to make sure that she could be the best of the best. I have to wonder, is that due to her family being blacklisted in the Alliance? We first meet Ashley just after the most tragic death in the game, that of Corporal Richard L. Jenkins. No? Eh, one has to assume that the L stands for Leroy, right? Ash is tactically retreating and trying to survive a Geth attack that wiped out the rest of her unit. I say that because if I say she was running away, she'd totally kick my ass. Then here comes the knight in shining N7 armor to save the day. Shepard and Caden take out the inorganics, and then Ashley joins the ground team to help clear the rest of the mission. A scene at the end of the ground mission, where we get to the Prothean beacon, will be different depending on the gender of your shepherd. If you are playing as the bro-ship, it is Ashley who walks too close to the beacon. If you're a femship, it's Caden who does that. My thought is since Shepard then kicks into action and rescues the activator, the game is priming to see them as Shep as a savior, and it adds a little hero worshipiness to the whole thing. Yeah, agreed. Caden and Ashley's character arcs serve as a gendered mirror to one another in the first game. As a sole survivor of her unit, and having demonstrated her combat abilities on Eden Prime, Ashley is transferred to the Normandy courtesy of Captain Snake Makery Anderson. Does anyone else watch Rick and Morty and recognize his voice? Just me. <laughs> Ashley is uncomfortable about filling a dead man's shoes after the loss of Jenkins and blames herself for not being more alert during the Geth attack. Ashley is her own harshest critic. While off duty, Ashley spends her time in the Normandy's cargo hold, cleaning and maintaining her rifles. She will give feedback on recent missions or the latest shipboard gossip, which in the Navy we call that scuttlebutt, <laughs> because of course the human woman has to be the ship's gossiper. At least with Kasumi in Mass Effect 2, they disguise it as gathering intel while being sneaky sneaky on the ship. Ashley is very interested in Shepard and their background. She's amazed that they went to the same training facility and even reminisces about getting yelled at by Gunnery Chief Ellison. Ashley has strong religious beliefs, but is hesitant to discuss it with Shepard because she's concerned of the uneasiness it might cause among the others. Rather than proving her wrong about the existence of a supreme being, her faith is strengthened by her work in space. Hello, have you people looked out the window? How can you look at this galaxy and not believe in something? She believes that her father, who passed away, is with God. She still remembers his favorite poem, Tennyson's Ulysses, by heart. When Shepard jokingly states that Ashley is the last person they would expect to hear quoting classical literature, Ashley indignantly replies that just because she can drill you between the eyes from 100 meters doesn't mean she can't like sensitive stuff, though she does request Shepard not spread it around. Apparently being into literature is still not a cool hobby in 2183. So, I had to look this up. Is a 100 meter headshot difficult? 
I'm horrible at judging distance and only know a little about handguns and even less about assault rifles and shotguns. And this is what the internet tells me. Headshots should be taken at a distance that allows for cropping to an 8x10. Producers will not accept an 8.5x11. Not what I wanted. Several games have a quest that require multiple headshots at 100 meters, and it seems to be quite the difficult task. One Redditor wrote, Because playing woods, shoreline is painful with thermals being thermals, and mossling fucks being the crouch walker bush proners they are. The only way to get a 100 meter headshot is to multiplayer cheese it. I understand most of those words individually, but not strung together like that. And still no real answer. But now I want cheese. And then it got a little too real, and I learned to never again research real-life headshot distances. So I asked my specialist. He said, someone who is trained with her weapon should be able to make that shot easy. At 100 meters, your bullet travels fast enough that it isn't going to be pulled down by gravity, so there isn't a lot of compensation. Ashley is highly trained, and all of her skills are combat-based, but add moving targets combat noise, friend or foe sighting, and Shepard accidentally sending her to random spots on the map because I meant to hit one instead of Q? Yeah, it's a decent claim. Okay, thanks. Bye. I need brain bleach and a glass of wine. Did that count as a second rant? (laughs) Probably. Um, I am the wrong person to ask about this. I was a nerd in the military and out of it, obviously. Did not shoot guns other than in boot camp. Um, 100 meters is about 328 feet, though, for the rest of you Americans out there. Though she is tough and aggressive, Ashley does have a compassionate side. If you bring her with you to the Citadel and meet with Samesh Bhatia, whose wife served in the 212 with her, she is very respectful and sympathetic. Taking the time to say how much his late wife, Nirali, loved him and a sweet story about nightly voice recordings she would send him. Her character really needs these small touches of humanity, because even though her gender makes her not the normal character to use for this stereotype, she still is the badass berserker of the team, aside from Rex. It would have been really easy to make her one-dimensional. In the squad stats used by Mass Effect 1, Ashley actually has a higher combat strength rating than Rex, and she might appear to be just the juggernaut, but she actually has a lot going on in her personal story when we meet her. She has tirelessly worked at redeeming her family's name in the Alliance military, and suffers survivor guilt as the only one to make it off Eden Prime. Um, though Ashley is receptive to Shepard's flirting, she's actually the only companion to directly call Shepard out for his attempts at fraternization. When the Normandy is grounded by the Council, Ashley persuades Shepard not to give in to despair, and they nearly share a kiss. But yet again, surprise, surprise, Joker shuts the commander down with a cockblock calm. The romance scene in Mass Effect 1 happens at the same point in the game for all three romances, right before you get to Ilos. This point makes narrative sense for both Caden and Ashley as Alliance military members. They were only willing to engage romantically with Shepard when it seemed like it was literally the, not, blah, literally the last night alive. Okay, I need to stop drinking wine. Honey, we just got started. During the beginning of the romance scene, Ashley claims she isn't one for words, but her interest in poetry helps her to say what she feels. I'm not a word person, Shepard. Other people say what I mean better than I do. Ashley is a woman of action, and her banter with Shepard before they depart the pen- Maybe I should quit too. 
before they depart on the bus to Pound Town is A plus for military puns. As for the sex itself, it is exactly the same as the other two. I don't even really want to do a full breakdown because it's even less of a scene than what took place with Liara. Because at least Liara did some crazy mind-melding magic at the beginning that made it visually look cool. But back to Ashley and their frontal assault. Well now, that's a whole new spin for on the floor and give me 20, huh? <laughs> you still sassing me, soldier? I think you need more physical training. Tisk. Now, what will it take to prove I'm in prime condition, Skipper? Bridge to Commander Shepard. We're five minutes out from the Mew Relay. Well, duty calls. Get up to the bridge, Skipper. I've got other weapons to check out. The cock that shotgun. Secondary cock blocker comms for the win this time. I don't know how many more puns I could take. <laughs> it's so bad. I think this is a good spot to take a little mid-break and let Jen refill her wine while you listen to our fellow Rocket Club members talk about their podcast, Once Upon a Wasteland. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got... Interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now. Fun facts. Ashley also shares the same name as Bruce Campbell's character, Ashley Ash Williams, in the Evil Dead movie series. If Ashley is in the team on Vermeer, her conversation response includes a reference to shooting things with her Boom. boomstick. Before Kimberly Brooks took on the role of Ashley, another voice actor had been shortlisted for the role, E.G. Daly. However, the developers didn't feel any chemistry between Ashley and Shepard with Daly's voice. And honestly, I would agree. I don't know if the voice of Tommy Pickles belongs on the Normandy. <laughs> I'm just imagining Ashley in bed with Shepard. A baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. <laughs> I don't know, it feels weird. So, <laughs> Ashley, Male Shepard, and Garrus were the first three Mass Effect characters to have action figures made of them. These three were considered the poster characters for the game, with the figures debuting in September 2012. Her middle name of Madeline is also a reference to her family history. Madeline was the name of a poem by Tennyson. <sighs> okay, let's, mm, let's get back into the thick of it. I'd like to take a step back here in the gameplay and rant for a third time. I think this should be the last, but who knows? White wine makes me feisty. While doing the research on Ashley, I fully expected to have a rant on her xenophobic views, the horrible line comparing Citadel aliens to animals that even the game writers say they regret putting in the game, or the weird way that she starts saying skipper all the time. 
but no. My big rant is about the confrontation scene. If Fem Shep tries to hook up with Liara and Caden, they have an uneasy and awkward discussion questioning Fem Shep's sexuality. But the Ashley and Liara dialogue selections? I don't know if I should laugh at the absurdity or be offended by the tone of voice. This next clip is 49 seconds long, but it needs to be heard. Somebody in this room needs to make a choice. It ain't me, and it ain't you. I should have seen this coming. I am afraid it was inevitable. I may not know much about human relationships, but I understand the concept of jealousy. Jealous? Of you? You're not even our species. Perhaps that is why you feel threatened. I am a rival unlike any you have faced before. Hostility is a common reaction to the unfamiliar. Doctor, you keep smart-assing me? I'll show you what my hostile reaction is like. I love it when women fight over me. Sorry, Commander. That fantasy's not gonna happen. We're not married, Shepard. You want to get involved with some alien? Go ahead. It's none of my business. Why do I have to make a choice? Maybe the three of us could, uh... In your dreams, Commander. I hope you two, or however many you end up with, will be happy together. I... <sighs> so much rage. So much rage. V... I'll sit over here in my confused yet slightly, like, it's, it's funny to a point, but then I get so mad again. Yeah, so I'm going to get the obvious out of the way. Ashley saying, you want to get with some alien? That isn't my business. That's just shitty. Ashley's racist in Mass Effect 1. I think we've all heard that critique of her. Just want to say she is far from the only one or even the worst one. We'll get into that a little bit later. I tend to think she gets the most shit for it because she's a woman. But the fact remains, she is racist. However, everyone in this scene is being shitty. But my big problem is male Shepherd. I think he's the biggest douche canoe in this scene, in my opinion. Liara does make a little dig at Ashley by calling her Miss Williams, but referring to Shepard by their proper title of commander. Okay, cute Liara making Ashley feel small. She's used to that. It makes sense that the scene is tense. I get it. Shep has been flirting with both of them, and they understandably want to know where they stand. Matters of the heart are undoubtedly messy, but Shep saying, I love it when women fight over me. Ugh, ugh. I do not think the women in this scene reacted angrily enough at that disgusting comment. It is absolutely unacceptable. I do not like it. And what the listeners can't see is the dialogue selection. In Mass Effect Trilogy, the words that you select from are not the direct quotes of what Shepard will say next. Male Shepard's selection, and I keep calling him Male Shep for right now because he is no longer my bro in this moment, <laughs> but Male Shepard's selection to get that line is catfight with an exclamation point. I can't... Mm. Before the internet comes at me, I will say that FemShep also has the suggested threesome line, but none of the arguing before it. It's Caden being confused about what's going on with Liara's gender, and writers not wanting to use the words lesbian or bisexual. Caden even says if he had known beforehand, it might have changed things. But anyone who is in a successful polyamorous or open relationship knows that this is not how to start the conversation. Nope. No, no, Jen, it was 2007. 
cool your jets and save your rage for another day. If you start a rant on consent and rules, this episode will be three hours long, and there are actually worse consent situations to discuss in future episodes. Yeah. I can think of one. Um, Okay, so maybe we can get to the less ranty bits and take a good look at Ashley as a character in Mass Effect 1 now. Switching to soda first, because if I keep drinking, it's going to get worse. (laughs) But are we really surprised that it was Ashley's episode is the one with all the contention? I really had to go to a happy place to write this. Like, literally left my house and went to the lake. Watching video clips and reading backgrounds and even my own current playthrough, I wanted so much to like Ashley. But I just can't. At least not yet. So yes, I am fully aware that my feelings most likely will change, and down the road when we're discussing Mass Effect 3 Ashley, that she will be a different person. But in Mass Effect 1, I wanted Ash to be the powerful woman they tried to make her, but it fell short. I expected the full strength, heavy armored, shotgun wielding, sarcastic babe to be a full-blown badass. But at the end of the day, she felt more heroic in the playthrough where I chose Caden on Vermeer instead of her. I feel defeated and drained knowing that the only female human on the Normandy who you can freely speak to in Mass Effect 1 isn't who I want her to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll just start off by saying that I don't like her that much. Um, but I do think Ashley gets unfairly labeled as the racist of Mass Effect. She was one of many racist characters, and if she lives beyond Vermeer, she grows and changes her viewpoint. One of the main themes of the entire Mass Effect story is learning to come together despite, and sometimes because of, our differences. For instance, Morden's entire character arc is devoted to this concept. It's literally a redemption arc for colonization and genocide, so it really isn't fair to lay all the blame for racism at Ashley's feet. Some have argued that her death at Vermeer poetically redeems her family's honor, and I can see that, I do, but I think it prematurely ends Ashley's personal growth. It's easy to see her flaws because she's a human, and closely resembles a lot of the real bigoted people in North America. It's harder to see the bigotry when the character isn't a human and the people they dislike aren't either. Ashley's complicated because she's a bitter realist and is usually right in her assessments of situations, even though they are almost always for the wrong reason. The tragedy in her character arc is her being right for the wrong reasons. She was right about the council being shitty, but it wasn't because they were evil aliens. It was because they are also frightened, ignorant, flawed, just like her. There's a great article on this in Level Skip that came out this year, if anyone wants to read it. It'll be in the podcast episode description Yeah, same thing with the confrontation with Rex on the beach. Ashley may shoot Rex if Shepard doesn't talk him down, and saving her commander officer from an angry Krogan isn't the only reason she shoots. The main reason was her racism. She made a point of not trusting Rex, Liara, and Garrus throughout the whole game. But not the trilogy. She sees Rex as a dangerous animal that needs to be put down, just like the Solarians who are also on the beach. 
If Shep can talk Rex down, they are amazed that a Krogan can be reasoned with. Defending Shepard is the right thing to do. I understand that. But I have to wonder if she would have been so quick to shoot a human. Yeah, however, I will say, Ash is practically the one character that does not exist solely for the benefit of the protagonist. She is a believable character because she's complex and fully formed. She doesn't need Shepard to come fix her or parent her. The differences in opinions she and Shepard have are not a mission plot point that Shepard needs to come in and solve. It's just her being a normal person with individual thoughts and feelings. Her character arc, and specifically her physical appearance, take totally different turns if she survives Vermeer, which I have mixed feelings on, but we'll get into that when we get to Mass Effect 3. Ash? All right, Jen. Hmm? I was like, oh, Ash that's has, right, Chief Williams. Ash had a uh, straight-up glow-up, and I'm okay with that. I think her hair looks a hell of a lot better in 3 than it did in 1. <laughs> See, as a former military woman, I think we're going to have a very interesting conversation on that, because I actually think she should not have become so glowed up in Mass Effect 3. I think that really was a detriment. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> you want to rate Chief Williams as a romance option? I picked um, Lemons this episode because she's kind of a sourpuss. So on a scale of 1 to 10 Lemons, where's she at for you? Mm, okay. As for the romance, it's a 6 at best for me. Since this is the only relationship in the trilogy we can do this with, astrologyzodiacsigns.com states that it's easy for two Aries to take off their clothes and enjoy one another. Their biggest problem could be their selfishness. Since sexual harmony is probably the most important segment of the relationship, this might lead to fights and exchange of many sharp words. It is quite often that two Aries partners lack the ability to satisfy each other in a sensual, emotional way. Good sex, but no emotional spark to make it great. But sometimes that's what you need. So it's a six for good sex. I agree. I think that Ashley makes for a great sexual partner for Shepard in Mass Effect 1. We're looking at two strong and independent people who face probable death or at the very least certain criminal charges being brought against them for their actions. And I think most anyone would want to look for some good sex to work off tension and anxiety. Um, I don't think you can really get deeper with her at this point, though. I think both her character arc and her romance arc deepen if she lives past Vermeer. Quit saying the word deeper. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, not only is chat making me giggle over here, but you just kept saying deep and deeper. And I'm like, hmm, I thought those were my segments. <laughs> Why are you making just as bad of puns as Ashley does? <laughs> You need me to clean your rifle? All right. All right. And God. <laughs> that, lovely listeners, is where we would usually end our show. But tonight, we have a special guest. Mr. If You Know You Know, a legendary human, Sam Wise Gamer G. And yes, because I obviously did choose violence this morning, the Conrad Werner Lookalike Contest winner. All joking aside, we are excited to sit down with fellow video game nerd and co-host of the Mass Effect Lorecast. Please welcome N7 the legend himself, Sam! 
Oh no, why can't I hear Sam? Are you muted, Sam? <laughs> We're getting one second. Let's see. Your face is up on our screen. Yay. I was yes. going to say thanks for Welcome. having me on here. means a lot to uh, be here on, what is this, the, the second episode? Third. Third. Of your show. The third episode. So, and um, I have been listening along with the show, you know, of course, before before then, and you brought up a lot of great points about Ashley that I can't mm, really yay. wait to get into. That is what we are excited about. One, V and I don't have penises and are not generally ruled by testosterone. So we really are excited to get the male view on this. Um, of course, I clicked out of the window that I want. Um, but I think we'll start off with what is your Mass Effect origin story and when did you start to play? Right on, right on. Uh, well, in 2007, I was 14 years old. Uh, and so this context is pretty important for the rest of my answers. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, and, you know, one day back in 2007, shortly after Mass Effect 1 released, my older brother came home, and he's 10 years older than me, but he knew I loved sci-fi, and he knew I loved video games. So he walks downstairs into the basement where my room was at the time. You know, it was a very stereotypical teenager, teenage boy, like, no, mom, go away. And I was living in the basement like a troll. Um, <laughs> leave the food at the door. Um, <laughs> but my brother comes home, and he comes down to the basement, and uh, he drops off this game that I had never seen before, really. Like, I didn't know about it, and the hype really wasn't there surrounding Mass Effect 1 before it came out. Um, so he drops it, he slides it across the coffee table, and said, I picked it up at GameStop, figured you might like it. So... I decided to give it a try, and uh, man, I, I I stayed up all night, just kind of like marveling and awestruck at the fact that now I could go to like different solar systems, you know, like I could go around the galaxy, and there were these awesome visuals of nebulas and star systems, and it was just so like visually fantastic to me. I mean, this was this is coming from someone who like like I grew up looking at astronomy textbooks and things like that. I don't know why my mom had a lot of those on her bookshelf, but she did. Um, and so I was so fascinated with NASA and planets and stars. Whole bedroom was decorated with that kind of stuff. So here's like, you know, this game that really lets me live out this, this astronaut fantasy, you know. Um, I know, you know, we're on a, we're on a uh, podcast about romances, right? So, and I know a lot of people chose to give this game a chance because they wanted to bang someone right i mean let's not sugarcoat it a lot of people did they were like oh you can bang someone in that game <laughs> sign me up um but and it was revolutionary at the time implementing physical romance sequences uh, and things like that but i really did fall in love with this game because you could role play being an astronaut and do you think that that's one of the key things that makes you come back each time is the storyline and or is it because you want to bang somebody new? Uh, you know, that's that's easy and tough to answer. It's in, in short, I think the things keeping me coming back are the people, the drama, 
the triumphs, yeah, of course, right? But more than that, the tragedy. I think I'm a glutton for punishment because it's like, oh, yeah, give me that sad shit. <laughs> that is so true. Um, did you learn anything new about Ashley today? What are your thoughts on Ashley? And do we miss yeah. anything? Any key factors? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did know, um, uh, or I did learn uh, a lot of stuff actually about Ashley. I did not know that she was an Aries. Did not know that her birthday was so close to Shepherd's. That has to be beyond coincidence. Um, and I didn't know actually how that how that sequence with Ashley, Liara, and Broshep can go if Broshep chooses to be a douche. So I had never played that sequence, right? Like I just never did that. I, I was confronted at one point, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that I just made it clear and I chose one. Mm-hmm. Um, or or I maybe I try to apologize after the fact, but um, I definitely did not go with the cat fight option. Did <laughs> not even... I, I actually forgot that that was the text prompt, so I did learn something new. Uh, so I really appreciate um, both of your in-depth research on it. And, um, you know, you kind of addressed it, right? Um, but here is an unpopular opinion. I think Ash gets a bad rap. Like, she does. You know, there's a very unpopular opinion, and I, I might lose some some personal, uh, some people who follow me on social media for this one. I'm not sure, but that's okay. Uh, my personal opinion is that it seems like whenever we, as a community, as a Mass Effect fandom, you know, uh, whenever we bring her up, it's in the same breath as an angry remark about, uh, she's racist. Right, and then like, mm-hmm. and the rest of her character gets thrown by the wayside, because it's mm-hmm. like you know, let's sum her up to a common denominator remark: she's racist, therefore unimportant, and nothing else about her matters. And I disagree with that very heavily, because I think that even though she has racist tendencies in Mass Effect One, there is a lot to learn from her. There's mm-hmm. like there's value in the fact that she is included, that that perception is included, as flawed as it may be, in the game. And I think that I don't know. I, I just think that you know, dismissing her as just a, a racist person who deserves no more attention than that, it does so little to show her growth. Every either way, her story ends. You brought it up a little bit, V, that her story can end one of two ways. And in Mass Effect 3, you'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, But, you know, on one hand, if you save Ashley on Vermeer, um, she spends these years, you know, serving alongside a team of aliens. And surprise, she lets go of her distrust, you know, by Mass Effect 3. She just lets go of it. And there's a tense situation between her and Shepard in regards to Udina. Um, but ultimately it's resolved if you have a high enough Paragon uh, or Renegade score I'm sure um, But and it also happens with Caden so yeah. it's not unique in that aspect um, on the other hand if you choose to sacrifice her which is what she practically begs for by the way mm-hmm. um, she does fulfill the best redemption arc the series has in my opinion um, V brought this up and I know that you probably don't agree with me that it's the, it's not the best redemption arc um but in my opinion it is because i you know we don't see many in mass effect um v you mentioned mordens of course his is is amazing and it has a massive lore implications 
Um, massive. Not massive. Uh, <laughs> not so much for, you know, personal relationship-wise, but lore-wise, yes, definitely. Um, but here we have, you know, the granddaughter of the general who surrendered the garrison at Shanxi, the, the woman whose military career was effectively limited by this, you know, or at least this is what we're told, that her military career has been effectively limited by this arbitrarily even more racist glass ceiling that told her she should feel shame for her grandfather surrendering an impossible situation to aliens. Like, her grandfather was in an impossible situation. They were, the Turians were taking out, like, city blocks just to eliminate small strike teams of Marines. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say it's strange that, you know, we're told, she says that she's had so many roadblocks, but then she's 25 and is already, what, like third ranking officer or something like that? So what roadblocks really has she had? Yeah, she's had shitty deployments, as per what she said, but she's still going up in the ranks. Well, I think what's interesting is she, it's that's what I think is so relatable about Ashley, though, is she misplaces her anger all the time. Like, she truly should be mad at the Alliance for blacklisting her family when they've literally been loyal members of the military for generations and instead she hates Turians and is distrusts aliens you know but it's it wasn't the Turians fault that her family was blacklisted it was the alliance's fault it was her fellow humans fault so and that's why I like Ash in some ways like I still I'm not like I'm not a huge fan of her but I do like her you know with Morden's redemption arc it's so big it's so massive he caused massive harm and then he caused massive healing through his death ash is just on a much smaller scale she's you know she's like a normal person she's very relatable she reminds me a lot of people i knew in the military which is why i do like her in mass effect one she looks like people i knew in the military with her hair up in a bun that's why i don't that's what we were going to get into i don't really like how she changes in mass effect 3 into this glamazon because it's just not relatable you know she looks more like a male fantasy version of a woman in the military than a woman in the military which is what she was in mass effect one I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. As we've talked about, you know, off air, um, part of my job in real life has taken me to military installations, uh, and I've I've worked very closely with the military um, for in years in the past. And you're absolutely right that her the character as she is written in Mass Effect One and as she's depicted is very close to reality on how women appear in the military in the United States. Um, so it's accurate in, in, in that realm. Um, and it doesn't feel too trite. It feels, you know, like, like depth because she's not perfect because, you know, like you said, she does misplace that anger. She misplaces it completely. Um, and yet if you let, if you choose to sacrifice her or rather if you choose to let her sacrifice herself, which is kind of how it goes, um, then, you know, that woman lays down her life for her alien predominant squad for the entire galaxy to have a shot at life. And because it's the right thing to do. And she takes um, orders from Kirahe without question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There is, of course, and we should mention that tense scene between her and Rex 
on Vermeer as well. And it can go any number of ways, depending on how the player kind of uh, guides the narrative. Um, and of course, um, there's a hidden anti-choice dialogue thing that happens there, which I, I think, Jen, you told me about. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know about that beforehand. Yeah. Uh, when Rex is still in his tense fighting stance and is holding the rifle at Shepard, uh, you have the time to pick your dialogue options where it's like alert Ashley or continue on the conversation to talk him down. If you don't make a choice within a set time limit and it's a hidden timer, you have no idea that it's there. Ashley will take the shot regardless whether or not you tell her or if you try to continue talking to Rex. And there was a little bit of contention about that, you know, in, in Discord channels that we're in about whether that's right or wrong. Uh, and ultimately, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I think, you know, I'll leave that up for each individual player to decide. But when I when it comes to realism and not realism, when we're talking about an, a senior NCO watching an alien who she has personal prejudices against aim a rifle at her commanding officer and this alien just happens to be one of the galaxy's most notorious mercenaries it is completely realistic to expect that the nco is going to gun down that merc without a second thought mm-hmm. um oh, so i understand ashley's motivation in there i really really do but i just don't agree with it <laughs> oh yeah um I think it's definitely colored by her prejudice, but I also think, like, militaristically, it makes sense, too. Like, the enlisted are always the ones who are doing stuff. Like, it's kind of, you know, and the officers are the desk people. I mean, there's plenty of officers that do stuff. That's just the stereotype. So I kind of like that they gave that to Ashley also, just from that point of view. Because Caden's probably too busy, like, oh, no, you know. But she's just like, okay, I'm going to get the job done. That's just who Ashley is. And also, he's not even just a merc. Like, he's a Krogan battle master. So, like, he's one of the most terrifying foes you could face. So I definitely understand why she would do what she did if that happens. But it's such a shame if that happens in your playthrough. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, that's kind of, like, the thing. That's my point, right? Like, so one way or the other... I think Ashley grows to the to the extent that it warrants more focus than just someone dismissing her character as space racist. Um, mm-hmm. And and you know, furthermore, you know, I kind of hinted at it, but I do want to talk about um, there are a lot of qualities about Ash's perspective that many people won't agree with and probably shouldn't agree with. Um, but those qualities exist in people. Like, that's that's a reflection of reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th- I think it's good that they included these in the game. You know, like, just because you don't like something doesn't mean that it's not important enough and shouldn't be included. Like, I think this, the entire point is pretty significant for Mass Effect. Because if you only had virtuous things in this game, that's going to be a really boring, not tragic, not compelling, you know, rivetless game. Totally agree. Um, and and Garrus is a good example also in Mass Effect 1. He he plays it pretty fast and loose with what is right and wrong, what's honorable, what's, you know, he definitely plays it fast and loose with the law. And I think even if Shepard hadn't had come along, he would be out of a job from CSEC pretty quickly. I was waiting so, for V to hold totally up. Totally agreed. Time. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. He's he's behind he's behind oh. my laptop. 
We we both have our little <laughs> pop figures. <laughs> I've had him. He used to sit on my desk when I was an intel person in the Navy. He's been in lots of secret places, this Garrus. He's seen some um, shit, man. He's seen some shit, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to ask, Sam, are there any squad mates in any of the three Mass Effect games specifically that you wish were romanceable that weren't romanceable? Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, well, well, this is going to sound really stereotypical, right? Um, but keep in mind, I was, I was, well, let's see, I was, uh, still a teenager by the time Mass Effect 2 came out, right? 2012. Um, 2012. And so... I really wanted to be able to, to have my bro Shep romance Kasumi. And that was not an option. And like, in fact, it was pretty un- unrequited love. And I remember sitting back and being like, oh, KG this, KG that, isn't KG great? And just listening over and over again to how fucking awesome KG was. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, KG's dead. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, so. he's dead, and I'm here, <laughs> which is the most selfish thing. Else who has a dead spouse? So why not you? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, it was like totally selfish thing from Shep, who gets to be selfish, but no one else does. Um, and but it was really stereotypical. But but I wish that there was a way to make that romance work. Uh, but there's not, so whatever. But I, I also think, like, and this is totally not an option, and I don't think ever will be, but I think an Elcor romance could be wholesome. <laughs> I was like, I know exactly where Genesis just went with her mind. Okay, let's be honest. You know, it would be wholesome until that scene. Yeah. And it would be graphic <laughs> and disturbing. <laughs> No, I was going to go for an Elcor voice, I can't... but I wasn't quite sure what line I was going to use after that, and so, like... I like to think that Elcor are the ones narrating romance audiobooks at that time. Like, that would just be wonderful. Is that all you got, Commander? <laughs> so I have... Yes, exactly I that. In my head... Uh, at one point, like, could the Elcor be the ultimate spy masters? Because can they lie about the emotion that they're trying to portray? We assume that they are telling us the truth when they're giving us those emotional descriptors. Emphatically honest. Uh, you know, things like that. Well, it's like, what if they're fucking lying to me? Yeah, what if they're the be no way anti-Eeyore? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly aroused. No, I'm just wishing that things would go away. You know, it's like they really could. Yeah. Mm. Insincere. No, babe. I just have a headache tonight. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was just going to say, I'm impressed that they know what they're feeling at all times because I sure don't. They're incredibly emotionally aware. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They have high emotional intelligence. Um, Okay, wait back to ashley really quick just because you are a man oh yeah Yeah, go ahead i I did want to say you didn't ask a question but more than new romances i would just want to fix like a couple things about existing ones like one Mm. like my shepherd romances someone in mass effect one and then they choose to stay faithful and not like sleep with someone else or pursue a romance with anyone else in mass effect two um, and then even if that person that I romanced in Mass Effect 1 hates my Shepard in Mass Effect 2, 
I think there should be some unique dialogue when the romance is rekindled in 3. But that's not really addressed. But it is addressed on the other hand. Like, if you do... Like, let's say that if you romance... If you romance Ashley in Mass Effect 1, and then you romance Miranda or someone else in Mass Effect 2, then Mass Effect 3 comes along and you try to romance Ashley again, I'm pretty sure that it's brought up. Trying to think back, because in... One, I romanced... At, um, oh, no, that doesn't work. Because I was like, my broship run, I went Liara, Jack, Caden, And none of them, they didn't argue at all. But when I went Liara... I went... I went Liara, Jack, Liara, and she forgave me no problem... Uh, once I told her that Jack was a fling and I broke it off with her completely, it wasn't a right. big deal. Yeah, they they still bring it up though. Like, like they you they I think there's a forgiveness option, but like they'll still bring it up. But like, whereas I think if you stay faithful, they don't even like say it. Like they don't even address it. Like, like I always thought it would be really romantic between Broship and and Ashley if you know. Broship romances Ashley in Mass Effect 1. They get separated. That scene on Horizon hurts a lot. And then in Mass Effect 3, they rekindle. And then once she finally trusts Shepard after the Cerberus thing, you know, there's a romance scene. And then, like, maybe, maybe with the whole picture situation on the desk, Ashley sees it on Shepard's desk, picks it up, and says, You waited for me. Like, or something like that. Like, that would be so like tragic and and like bittersweet and heartbreaking right but there was nothing like that and i thought that bioware kind of dropped the ball with that i completely agree i mean like i've always romanced garris except for the one time i romanced thane but i remember when you first reunite with garris at the beginning of mass effect 3 and he's just like hey there (laughs) it's like hold hold on hold on we loved each other Yeah, <laughs> hey, old sport, and I'm like, it's so anticlimactic. So I definitely, I definitely agree with you across all of them. If you stayed faithful, or if you stayed together, there should have been like a, just a more romantic something going on there. Yeah, same with Kate, for all of them. Same with Caden and Fimship in you know Mass Effect One. Let's say they stay faithful in Mass Effect Two, rekindle in Three. There should be like, like a momentous beat change. You know what I mean? Because there's always... In Mass Effect 3 with Caden and, and Ashley, um, it's like there's no beat change, but they like... Like, first, they don't trust you because of your past with Cerberus, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, I see that you're all right. <laughs> then that's it. I have a Yuri cat in chat who we are going to have on next week because she is our canon Caden shipper, so... She totally agreed with you that it would be really sweet if there was a, like, thanks for staying faithful moment with Fem Shep and Caden. Yeah, like, it, it's for, for having a romance in the game, and I think this goes for pretty much every romance, and maybe I'm wrong about Fem Shep Garrus because I don't know too much, but for having the romances in a game, partners are surprisingly not vulnerable with each other. Like, when's the last time you saw Shepard, female or male, 
break down or shed a tear and break character for a second because the person that they're talking with is someone that they deeply care about beyond a professional capacity. Um, gosh, uh, most of the sex scenes in ME3, actually. Uh, when Shep wakes up... Oh, see, we didn't get one. Okay, when Shep wakes up from the nightmare... Romance scares. When Shep wakes up from the nightmare and is freaking out and is breaks down afterwards, like, after the whole ranting and raving I went through, and I was like, I need some ME3 in my life right now to make me happy, and I watched, like, the final scenes on a whole bunch of people, and I... Yeah, no, they get pretty heartfelt, and especially when you choose the options of, uh, I don't know if I can do this, I've done everything that I can think of, but I really feel like it's still not enough, and the person that you're with really comforts you and brings you back to a place where you can start the final mission and go back to Earth. But that's at the end of Mass Effect 3, right? Should it, should we, should we have to wait that long? No. No. Yeah. Um. I agree. It feels it feels almost like all of the emotion is one-sided a lot of the time. It's coming from the companion that you've romanced, and Shepard isn't very vulnerable almost ever. Like, I know that one nightmare scene, but even waking up and being like, well, golly, the galaxy's resting on my shoulders. I guess I'll just get up now and go work still. Like, it's not really that big of a deal, even though it's a huge deal. I can't imagine the pressure... I don't think they did as good of a job addressing that. And and I don't know if it's partly narrative to blame or partly, you know, I, I, I'm not too familiar with the process, but I do know voice recording for games is very like, they don't know what's going on half the time. They're not recording with the people that they are in the scene with. So, you know, sometimes they, unless the director of whoever's recording the audio gives them a really good context, you know, sometimes they don't <laughs> deliver as well you know especially early days bioware i think that was like a big thing um they just were not giving them as good a direction or something i'm not really sure uh one of my favorite examples of that is the beginning of dragon age inquisition where you are your character running into the uh temple of sacred ashes and they're like kill that person and your character's just like what's going on here like it's like just walking into a cafe or something like it, it sounds so out of place. And I know that that's not necessarily like a narrative issue. It's, it's like an actual technical issue, but so I'm not sure if that's why we don't get as vulnerable of a shepherd as we might want or not, but I definitely agree. I wish there was a little bit more, like, I think that's why in games where the narrative has a romance pre-written into it, like with uncharted, they feel more real because it's scripted already. Whereas games like this, where it's your choice, you know, they're a little bit more open-ended. It doesn't feel as personalized because it really isn't personalized. Like, you get to choose. So maybe that's and why. That's a, good, that's a good point. Um, and I think that the, the interaction between Shepard and Squadmate, whoever, or romance, you know, love interest, whoever that may be, it differs. Well, first of all, you know, back back to Ashley, I think it definitely differs because Femshep can't romance Ashley in Mass Effect 1. So I think the interactions between Femshep and Ashley and Brochep and Ashley are inherently different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just playing Femshep for the first time, so I'm still on Mass Effect 1, so cut me some slack if I'm wrong about Femshep, Ashley, come Mass Effect 2 and 3. But from what I've seen, I can see why Femship players might be left with more of a bad taste in their mouth after interactions with Ashley. 
um, which is what I've picked up among the community. I'm involved in several discords and I'm, I'm beginning to see a consensus. Uh, and so I think the writing team maybe unintentionally made most of the positive, quote unquote positive, conversations with Ashley in Mass Effect 1 to be romance based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stress Mass Effect 1 because that's when players make the decision to carry on with her or not, right? And if their experience with Ash up until that point has been largely or completely negative, then I'm not surprised that they play the, the Femship players have a tendency to kick her to the curb. Um, I, I would be surprised, or I'd be interested, rather, to see how statistics differ on how many Femship players sacrificed Ash versus Broship players. Yeah, I think if we had a clear breakdown of that, it would definitely show that the dialogue selections and the fact that they're not as, like, flirty, the flirtations, the paragon choices, it just, I think it made it, it made it easier to save Caden, knowing that I wasn't in a possible relationship with her. Hmm. Yeah, and V, you've played as Femship. I mean, what were your interactions with uh, Ashley like? Because romance wasn't an option, right? So, yeah. Um. Well, I I need to play through it again now that I've done all this research into her because I definitely was in the camp firmly of like, not just kill Ashley, whatever. I don't really like Caden either. Like both of them seem like weak characters to me initially, so I it wasn't really that big of a deal to kill her. Plus, like you said, she practically begs for it, so I'm like, all right, happy birthday. Um. Like, but I. And also because I romance Garrus and she talks shit about Turians all the time. I'm like, don't talk about my baby boy like that. So it's easier for me to kill her. But like I said, reading this now, I've never played as Broshep. So I don't know. I mean, I don't really like Caden either. So it doesn't really help me speaking to him because basically if you're Femshep and you talk to him, he's just like lovey-dovey. And it kind of seems like that's the same way with Ashley if you're Broshep. She kind of just instantly falls in love with you. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure if it would change my opinion too much if I play as Broshep. I don't know. I kind of... I I need to do a playthrough where she lives, first of all, because I've never done that. And then I think as she grows, it, it would be kind of like Liar and Tally. Like, she would just become my bestie. I would really like that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And I can speak to, with authority on the, the, the male Shep and the uh, Ashley interactions is that, yeah, it's it's really hard to be just friends with her and have positive interactions without it leading to romance. Um, and so, like, I think that the writers in the next game probably will implement more platonic choices so that you have that kind of that that basic foundation where you can have the positive interactions with someone and the positive interactions are not dependent upon romance ability or not like um, the way that they do it in andromeda i love dialogue selection mm-hmm. in andromeda yeah that's a lot more clear right it's you know what you're getting i feel like a lot more in andromeda for all the crap that it gets yeah heart heart means love yeah. <laughs> like so pretty mm-hmm. pretty obvious uh there but that being said you know, maybe the different interactions with Ash depends on Shepard's gender. You know, I think that was intentional. 
like maybe that was completely intentional i mean when it comes to like real life right have you ever met someone that said uh, i don't know why i just don't really seem to get along with members of x gender like i i get along with women much more than men or vice versa like i've heard people say that many times um so maybe that's just ashley's character maybe she gets along better with men maybe she doesn't have many girlfriends in fact i think i remember her saying something along those lines Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think people should feel bad if they just if they make more friends of one gender than the other. Um, but it is ironic, considering what I've seen, that she's not very popular among female Mass Effect fans as compared to male ones. Because we want her to be better, you know. Especially for me, when growing up, I had such awesome female role models that were kick-ass superstars. I had Xena. I had Gabrielle. I had Wonder Woman. I had, you know, a Buffy. All of these badass women who could handle their own shit and still have a decent romance with people, with both men and women. And just seeing Ashley just kind of... it. I wanted her to remain a badass while still flirting. And not have to go into this, oh, I need to prove that I am a woman because I know poetry. I need to prove that I have this soft side because I can recite that I've memorized something. And it's like, no. Own your pussy. Be a badass. And just throw him on the ground. Make him you know, drop and, that, and give you 20. That's a good point. You know, <laughs> um, that's a good point because for... Uh, for all like the, the 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 distance that she can't make up with how some fans wanted her to be, I still think that in regards to the other characters of Mass Effect One and the trilogy for that matter, she is one of the more intelligent, quote unquote, strong female leads in the series. Like she knows who she is and she has flaws, but she's not the damsel in distress. So in my opinion, it's sadly unsurprising that a large chunk of the gaming community has taken aim at yet another one of the strong female leads that it clamors for. And that's a hot take. I think I know that that's going to ruffle a yeah, lot. Yeah, I was like, it's like my hot take would be more of a technical narrative analysis aspect of it, which would be not so much what I thought of her as a woman playing games my whole life, more of like, you know, Caden and Ashley serve the same purpose narratively. They're just the gender mirrors, depending on if you're bro-shep or fem-shep, you know, they play a bigger role perhaps. But, um, and, and because most people leave her to die, I think, I don't know, I haven't researched this aspect of it, but you know, she's not, that's kind of why I like her a little bit more, especially after the, researching this episode. I like her a lot more than I did before, but I liked her even before because she, just like Shepard, uh, fe- female Shepard, she is not the typical woman in a video game, at, especially back then. You know, she isn't wearing sexy armor. Her She's not really wearing any makeup. She's not cute or flirty, really. Like, she's she's a tomboy, in the first game and you know maybe a lot of people let her die because they're like eh it's kind of like how people didn't like last of us part two because they're like abby's not hot blah i don't want to play as her you know it's like well you know yeah exactly like i don't want to have sex with you so i don't want to see you as a character it's it's such a weird dynamic 
And then, you know, she kind of morphs into that. Like, and I, I read an analysis of her character as the women that Shepard is surrounded by are a lot more feminine than Ashley. All of the rest of them. Tally's like the only other tomboy. And that's mainly just because you don't see her face, you know, but Liara is quite feminine. Samara is literally the definition of a femme fatale. So, you know, when Ashley, if she does make it to Mass Effect 3 and becomes like her hair's down, she's got a lot of makeup on. Some said that it was probably because she's trying to be in Shepard's orbit. And that's the women that are in Shepard's orbit, whether you're from Shep or male Shep, like the rest of the women are very feminine and very conventionally attractive. And she wasn't at first and she kind of morphed into that. And that makes me feel disappointed because that's what I really liked about her in the first one. And that's what I liked about femshep is they're the same as the men like they're just doing the job they're not doing it in a beautiful way they're not doing it in a sexy way they're just doing it um and i really liked that yeah so and that's and well i'm glad that you're you know bringing up the things that you like because i I think we've been talking a lot about the negative aspects still surrounding ashley um but (laughs) Just coming from someone who has, you know, played Mass Effect, the the series, you know, through and through, and I've I've gone to pretty much every corner there is of the romance with Ashley, I can say, like, that romance left me as a player feeling fulfilled. Like, I felt like it was deep, it was dynamic, and that final scene when they're rushing toward the beam, like, if you bring Ashley along with you it's tragic like it it hits you really hard and yeah that that applies to like pretty much every romance but it uh, it i think it hits harder for me with ash because of all the context beforehand Mm -hmm. um and it's like she really i know that like i know throwing in the poetry may have appeared to some like a really um flimsy attempt at instilling a level of you know feminine interests but i love poetry i don't think it's feminine you know what i mean i I, i'm a i identify as a male i think i'm uh, you know rather masculine and i don't think that liking poetry or literature or words makes me any any less so you know i don't think that there's anything inherently wrong or less or you know blah, blah 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 toxic masculinity about words you know what i mean um so with ashley's love of of literature of course that attracted me to her as well because i like i love literature i love poetry i love words hell it's what i do for a living um and so yeah that also attracted me to ashley like as an as a player not as a shepherd but as a player um and something like i think she i think she earns a title at least from mass effect one and onward of being kind of the warrior poet because she is that badass kick in the door, cocker shotgun, and then recite Tennyson to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of just... I, I love that about Ashley, and I think it leads to having a fulfilling romance if you choose to go that route. I think maybe that's what bugged me about it, is the fact that they were trying to use the poetry as to prove her femininity. And because... Yeah, I love poetry. I went, you know, in high school, I read poetry all the way to winning a statewide championship on it. Like, I read a lot, and I do love that. But to make that your femininity is the fact that you read poetry, I get, maybe that's what bugged me. I don't know. I've had a yeah. lot of rage this whole week, and I think I've put a lot of that on Ashley. 
Yeah. What a very Ashley-like thing to do. Displace my rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. <laughs> Actually, I can see Ash listening to that. Um, I should I yeah. should come up with fictional playlists for each of the dirty dozen of Mass Effect. Hmm. Well, Garrus already has a canon playlist, so you can't do that one. He does. Oh, he does. Oh, and Shadow Broker DLC on the on the computer, you can read what he listens to. Didn't you read that? I think I I did. Oh no, Uh, I did, but I don't remember his camera. Yeah, he. It says um, on the Shadow Broker's like computer what he listens to in his headset. Is it one of them? Is the national anthem or something like that? Right? Am I remembering that? Yeah. Hold on, I think I actually have a screen. It was. One of them is like the Turian. I don't remember exactly what it was. But I just love anthem. it. I feel like I remember that. I might be dead wrong, but, um, but yeah, um, yeah. I think I, I don't know. I think so. Kind of like back to my earlier point. Like you know, yeah. Like I was fourteen when I played the game. I picked Ash for sure over Liara in Mass Effect One, and I'll be shameless about it. Like I was fourteen. I did it because my thor- my fourteen year old thought process was well she's hotter than the blue alien, and like that <laughs> was the extent of it. But then I learned the story afterward. Yeah, see, I was thirty five when I picked up Mass Effect there the first time. Yeah. Oh wow! I played it when I was a teenager too for the first time. It's part of the reason I joined the Navy because of Shepard and alert? Ashley and everyone. I started playing Mass Effect in June of this year what I am beyond shocked I had no idea I've been a Mass Effect fan since it came out how much it's like part of my identity at this point I feel like like question for both Jen and V how much (laughs) do you think the age at which you started playing Mass Effect had something to do with like how it colors your how it colored your perception then and how it colors your perception now Oh, big time. Big time. And I think that might also have to do have something to do with it. The fact that every cast member is younger than me. I'm like, do better, bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> Ash is... Tw- I said 23? No, that Tally was 22. I probably would have thought differently. I probably would have thought differently about her if I played it now versus when I first did as a teenager. But as a teenager i mean i've played games since i was five or six years old and i remember when they first started introducing just female playable characters at all let alone games like mass effect where it didn't matter if you were the woman or the man version of the main character the story was the same it didn't change anything and that was a huge reason i picked it up on and it blew my baby mind i was just in love with everything and like i said that's it's it's not the main reason i have a a lot of family in the navy as well but i was like i could be a badass like commander Shepard. so i wanted to join the navy and that's why i did and i wasn't an officer i wasn't a marine i wasn't anything fancy but i still i joined the military and it was it was awesome and what's hilarious actually is um the part of the navy that i went into initially guess what the program designation is is it me it's n7 oh my gosh no it's n7 
it's the training and development um, aspect of the Navy, but it's actually called N7. And I was like, and everyone who worked in there had like Mass Effect stuff everywhere. It was amazing. Incredible. And and V, you know this. Um, I've talked about it, you know, off air, and and I think I've talked about it on air too. Um, But my mom was in the Navy, and she was actually a JAG officer in the Navy. So not combat, um, much more, you know, paper pusher. A lawyer. Lawyer. um, Yeah. Colloquially uh, adjacent to the buddy fuckers in the military is what they call them. so not exactly well liked, but she was she was um you know, as a person she could be intimidating. And I remember actually this is this is kind of like a good uh time capsule idea for, for illustrating to people how long ago this was. When my mom was in the Navy, when she was an officer, it was so long ago that women were not allowed on aircraft carriers in the United States. They she had to serve on a British aircraft carrier as a U.S. service member. Um, And she didn't really take crap from anyone. In that respect, she was similar to Ashley. Uh, She didn't take crap from anyone. She had to fight for everything she got, right? Uh, And ironically, like, my mom was probably the reason why I love literature the way I do. You know, from very young age, I grew up with my mom reciting Charge of the Light Brigade, you know, and, and and other classics like that. Tennyson was one of her favorites. Um, and so was, you know, Wordsworth and, and you name it. Um, Ulysses was one that she also knew by heart. So I think, you know, it, it probably I have that that innate bias toward Ashley because she has that uh, like familiar aspect to me. Now we're getting to like Oedipus realm. I don't want to go there, but (laughs) no, but she has that familiar aspect to me. So it's like, you know, the brain automatically identifies familiar aspects as, as friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, um, yeah, also, yeah, that was probably something that, that drew me to her. And um, I totally get it about, you know, like about like when you're talking about like being a, a female in the Navy and, and I like, I've seen it even in my personal life, like females in the Navy or not, not even Navy specific females in the military get pigeonholed a lot. Like, like talk about a rock and a hard place. Like there's no, like, I can't really speak with authority on it because a, I've never been a contracted service member and B more importantly, I've never been a female, but C I've seen it from the outside in and it's like you can't do it right like there's no winning it's getting better but i will say your mom definitely experienced it because it wasn't until 1993 that women were even allowed to be stationed on ships in the navy and it wasn't until i believe 2017 that women were able to join the special forces and across all the branches like navy seals and and the army etc so it's still very recent that you can do the same things as the boys. I will say though, you know, you're, you're paid the same, no matter what you're doing, your rank, your rank is your rank and you're paid the same. And that is still above some other jobs in this country for women and men. So there's still a lot of good things about the military, but I I don't know what the stats are now, but when I was in the Navy, I I did attend a um, women in the military conference 
And while I was there, they said that there was only 18% females in the Navy at that time. It was probably like 2015. Um, and I was shocked because I thought it was a lot more because the job that I was in skewed a lot more female. It was, you know, it was a desk job. It was a highly classified, highly trained job, but it skewed military female more than men. And that's partly because like there's some jobs at that time you were not allowed to do as a woman. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons. I'm sure there's plenty of people who will think, you know, oh, well, if you can't physically do it, then you shouldn't be able to do it. You know, but if you are physically able to do it, you should be able to do it. And the rules made it so you couldn't, if you were a woman, you couldn't even try. So I'm glad that it's slowly changing, but it's it's taken a long time. It has. And that and, you know, the, uh, the point of relating these things, these themes with Ashley to the real life military. Uh, I don't think we should stop at the fact that we have an NCO totally fraternizing, like like very blatantly breaking UCMJ, probably called something different, uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice in, in the United States, mm-hmm. um, rules for fraternizing, fraternizing with your commanding officer. Like, I can't remember if there were actual conversations about that mm-hmm. in Mass Effect. Yeah. Um, they did, yeah, both Caden and Ashley, but Ashley especially calls Shepard out for fraternization a lot, and they kind of just decided to go with it before Ilos because they're like, well, we're going to die anyway. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's definitely a, yeah, it's definitely a concern. Ashley actually does it better than Caden in when she go, she straight up tells him like, if you were to order me to do something that I was not comfortable with, I would report you. Because Shep makes a comment of, well, what if I, uh, what if I ordered you to commis- kiss your commanding officer? And it's like, she straight up tells him, fuck off, and that's not going to happen. And then, you know. I love that about her. Doesn't later, she give a she, pause? After, after she, she, she gives him a KFO, she mm-hmm. basically pauses and says, sir. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what was the other line that I that found? That would be classified as an unlawful order. Uh, the other line what I found was, uh, if only we were off duty, I would show you my real dance moves. And that one just weirded me out. Yeah, the the romance writing f- for Bro Shep wasn't the best in Mass Effect 1. No. There was a fine line between... I feel like it was a bunch of boys like, hee hee hee, when they were writing his lines. <laughs> right, yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah, it... Uh, the renegade ones definitely it was like how can we be edgy and then the paragon ones just reeked of paladin like like you know what i mean like i am law abiding and Mm -hmm. everything i do is right (laughs) and unrelatable um so yeah there was a there's a fine line there i found my screenshot of garris's uh top five music links to play Oh, that's uh, amazing. Do share. <laughs> Die for the cause, the Turian Imperial Anthem. Fi- there, there, Fire there. in the Courtyard, soundtrack from Fleet and Flotilla. <laughs> bang, bang, boom, club kicks, dance mix. Hurt me deeper, best of Excel 10 dance mix. Oh, he's a fan of Excel 10. I've heard <laughs> more of this too. And... Oh, blue, blue Azure uh, from the Vanea soundtrack, which I believe is a sorry slang for vagina. It is. It is. It is. Yes, it yep. Is. 
Yay. It's funny because Azure is blue, so it's like blue, blue. The blue bluest blue. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a visual. <laughs> That's what it is. Li- Liara's line in that moment is hilarious to me. And the fact that it's it, it happens whether or not you romanced her. Femshep, male Shep, same line. And ma- the shepherd's reaction, same line. And I was like, I was not expecting that when I didn't romance her last time. You know, I also, I, I also appreciate about Ashley and her character is she, correct me if I'm wrong, but she really seems to be the only squad mate in Mass Effect or maybe only main character of Mass Effect that expresses any level of faith in any higher power. Yes, I think you're right. I don't remember anyone else besides Liara any any sort of religion. Not in the original not in the original trilogy. Yeah. In Andromeda there is. Yeah, but I think by the goddess yeah, yeah, in the original trilogy. I think by the goddess is more of like a colloquial cultural thing. Like people who aren't Christian will still say, Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um I don't she never like Liara never just talked, as far as I'm aware, never talked about worshipping the goddess or really believing in the goddess. She was much more scientific, seemed like she didn't really... She kind of worshipped the Protheans, yeah. kind of, in the way she was very reverent with them until Javik happened. Yeah. But, um, and her little world came crashing down. But yeah, no, I think that was important for Ashley also. It was, it was you know, I'm not very religious, but it was nice to see that it was interesting to see, I suppose, that that still would exist in a in a world where you can go into space and and it was you know, nice that it was well, in the end because it sorry. it contradicted sci-fi tropes where like no one believes yes. in God anymore and no one talks about the fact that anyone ever did. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's Ashley's there's some the only sci-fi one that believes tropes. in yeah, the Christian God or whatever Catholic God, whatever human God, because Thane is also very religious. That's yes, true. he is. Yeah, he is. You're right. I didn't really. I I've even romanced him, and he's all Kalahira this, Kalahira that. Should have remembered that one. But I was. I would, when I, whenever Ashley talks about how going into space strengthens her faith, it reminds me of. Um, she's an actress, but also I believe a neuroscientist, Maya Bialik. Mm-hmm. She's in um, Big Bang Theory. I forgot the name of her character in Big Bang Theory, um, but she is Jewish, and she's also. She says that her huge science background influences her Jewish faith like it didn't take it away or make her think it doesn't exist and it really reminded me of the way Ashley describes it too like some people just really like see more religion in as proof of their scientific background or the things that they're seeing in space I imagine I've never been to space but um, yeah I don't know I thought that was nice because I would imagine that they would exist still in people who you know there's a lot of religious people in this world i imagine that they would still be around in 2183 yeah and it was it was it was nice that it was a rep so a it was represented right and b it wasn't toxic like the way that they did it it wasn't toxic like (laughs) you all are going to hell (laughs) like like ashley never said that ashley never insinuated that Mm -hmm. um so it was nice to see that a theology could be represented in the game in a positive non-toxic non-exclusionary way um and And it wasn't that her god was telling her to have these views on other people or anything like that it wasn't yeah no i agree i like that yeah yeah um and 
in fact the only times that she mentions god are like likened through a vector of beauty like perceiving beauty so that's pretty cool um and of course uh the lore behind that uh behind at least earth religions in mass effect is that they, we don't know all the religions that still exist come Mass Effect 1, come 2183, but at least Catholicism still does exist. And the reason we know that <laughs> is because Cerberus assassinates the Pope. Yep. You can't have Catholicism without the Pope, and, or a Pope without Catholicism. So unless the Pope becomes like the overlord of all Earth-based religions... I'm going to headcanon that. Giga that they've all mashed into one. That would be a, <laughs> That would be very interesting to see them all come together and agree on something. Come together. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess that wraps up Ashley, everyone. <laughs> Went very in-depth on someone who, I think, narratively speaking, wasn't as deep as some of the other characters across the other games. Both her and Caden felt a little lacking in some ways compared to some so people. Jace asked me why I felt so much rage while writing up Caden and Ashley episodes, and I was like, well, I think it has to do with the fact that they don't have loyalty missions and my actions can't influence them as people. I mean, with Caden, I mean, you can a little bit with Caden making him into a xenophobe or, you know, things like that, but you don't have a one-on-one -on -one mission with them to help gain their trust and loyalty. And I think maybe that might be part of why it's harder for me to connect with them. Because I didn't have my one-on-one -on -one time with them. Yeah. I mean, I think from a video game standpoint, sure, a weakness to their characters. But from a character standpoint, just storyline-wise, I think that's a strength. They don't rely on you for anything. They're not, like, checkboxes as a side mission. They're not... You know what I mean? Like, they don't... Like I said in the episode proper, Ashley and Caden don't exist to fulfill something for Shepard. They're not, they don't need Shepard. And anything, Ashley, if she does survive, she gets, she finally overcomes the blacklist of her um, grandfather after Shepard dies. Like she gets promoted, she moves on, she does things, she, she grows. Uh, and Caden does too. Everyone does actually. Like Shepard's kind of like the landing platform and just like, eh, go on, everyone. Yeah, being on his team is uh, a resume builder, definitely. Yes. Great internship opportunities, great connections. Terrible May die though. on a suicide mission. Yeah, great. that was a hell of an internship. Uh, <laughs> wonder if the checks bounced after, uh, after they took out Cerberus. You don't get paid for an internship, silly. That was Garrus's line. Wait, you all are oh. getting paid? <laughs> yeah, I forgot he said that. Oh yeah, that was before. Oh. Uh, that was before the meme from the Black Mirror movie. <laughs> it's a really obscure reference, but yeah. I saw that once. That's the one where you get to choose your own choices, yeah. right? Yep, that one. Oh man, I can't remember. And you're making a game in that in that movie i think yeah yeah you are um i'm really hoping you know in the, in the next mass effect that they hire some more compelling romance writers <laughs> there's I, I i don't want to yeah. trash the writing team at all of mass effect um because they did an amazing job far better than i could ever do 
with any game. You know, Drew Carpishan is, you know, the lore father of Mass Effect, in my opinion, and did a, an incredible job. Uh, but when it comes to relationship dialogue, like romance and love interest, I care so much more about that than I do a sex scene. Like, like, dude, you don't like, maybe it's just a byproduct of who I am or my age or my biases or whatever, just what I want from a game. But if you're going to go through the effort to put a romance into a game, like make it believable, make it a love thing. Not just like, I don't care about a 4k texture of someone's ass. Like, I yeah. care about... I'm sure someone I'm does. I'm sure someone does. Genesis. But don't spend all your time trying to perfect the jiggle animations and the reflections off someone's booty cheeks. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I care much... If your time has to be spent somewhere, please spend it writing more believable dialogue and getting voice actors who are, like, portraying that dialogue in the right way to make a more compelling experience. Um, maybe that's just me. Okay. I, if, if Mass Effect has two roads that it can go down, and one of them is to become uh, a game that Jen actually just showed me recently, Dead or Alive, Extreme 3, and the other pathway is to become like a really poignant, powerful experience similar to, to a TV show my girlfriend's watching right now called A Million Little Things or A Million Little... Yeah, something like that. I'd rather it go on that that route the latter um because i don't think mass effect i'm grateful for all of the people that joined the mass effect train because they heard that you could bang aliens but once they joined they realized it was so much more than that and i don't want it to be brought down to a common denominator agreed wholeheartedly agreed I actually really liked... That was something I thought of earlier when you were talking about the friendships in Mass Effect. I never romanced Liara, but that one scene right before the beam rush in Mass Effect 3 where you mind-melded her as friends. I think the scene might be a little different if you did romance her, but she just lays her head on your shoulder, and that was the most beautiful thing ever. And she was just my friend. Like, I never romanced her, but I loved... I love that so much. Please give us more platonic love, too, because that is... It's part of our existence as humans. We need it. Give me besties. Give me platonic besties Mm -hmm. that I can... The fact that Shepard tells Grunt she loves him, that's that's one of my favorite little one-liners of the Citadel. Because it's heartfelt, and it's real, and it's funny. Give me more of that. That being said, I will take like 10 million more tango scenes, all like all the little sexy foreplay type scenes too. Just as long as they're well-written, they feel genuine, I'll take it. I'll take whatever. Oh yeah. The the physical blocking like that comes with that and the animation, like that skill isn't lost on me whatsoever. Like that's pretty impressive and I like that and it feels cinematic. It feels much more cinematic than talking heads just blah 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 blah, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. So I would have liked to have seen more of that in other romances besides the Liara or besides the Femship Garrus romance. I would have loved to have seen it outside of the Liara Broship, you know, look into eternity with me before going off into oblivion. Um, like I would have liked to have seen that too, but I do still appreciate even the subtle animations like the gentle, you know, resting her head on Shepard's shoulder. 
Um, and I think that Liara does that even with with Shepard as a friend, right? Mm-hmm. So I still like that the I like those subtleties, and I I can see how how the development team and the writers and the animators have grown since Mass Effect One to Mass Effect Three, um, and it's all very promising. I know that there are a lot of cynics in the community, but I am not one, um, and I think that. I think that really good things are on the horizon for Mass Effect 4. And I am going to call it that because Mass Effect Andromeda was Mass Effect Andromeda. It was not yeah. Mass Effect 4. It is not a continuation of the trilogy. It is its own story. I right. agree. But I think we definitely talked enough about Mass Effect 3 considering this was supposed to be a podcast reviewing Mass Effect 1 Ashley. <laughs> But I also love that about this. I mean, we are obviously the nerds that are going to tangent and talk about this for hours. And I could. I really, really could. But um, it's almost my daughter's bedtime. And I've definitely got to go do the mom duties. Um, she also, she told me earlier today, I let her listen to episode zero. Um, because she thought it was the coolest thing that mommy could play her own voice on the radio. And she's like, your hmm. other frown, your other friend sounds like she's really nice. Oh my gosh. Thank so my you. Little, I bet you're really nice my too. My little battle buddy, Krogan, uh, thinks that you sound like a really nice person. Aw shucks. I will take that as a compliment. I believe I'm a nice person. I hope everyone who knows me agrees uh she is not allowed to listen to any other episode whatsoever <laughs> yes probably but, a wise choice yes. yeah um but if you like thank you sam yeah. um if you like what you've been hearing uh please make sure to leave a review and subscribe and you can find me in our two girls one ship chat on the robots radio discord um, where you can add an entry to what the fans are going to call themselves. Proposed names so far have been the Clam Jammers, the Shipmates, the Amornauts, and my new favorite, the Shipsters. Uh, Sam, do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, well, of course, I'm hosting uh, the uh, Mass Effect Lorecast with Tom every Sunday. Uh, so we are recording this on a Friday. Uh, and so if you're listening to this podcast and it's going in your ear holes and it's a Sunday, then tune in live at twitch.tv slash robots radio for the Mass Effect Lorecast. Alternatively, uh, you can follow me on pretty much every social media platform, uh, Twitter, Instagram, you know, like Discord, Xbox, like anything that you can think of. My handle is at n 7 the legend and if you can't find me that's because i don't have an account on there yep and you can find me at vervada in the robots radio discord channel we have our own two girls one ship chat in there and to give us a follow on all the social medias at two girls one ship the links to those are in the description and as you know, if you're here live with us right now, and if you're not, we stream every episode on Twitch at Two Girls One Ship every Friday, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. 
and the podcast audio comes out on Sundays. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, Sam, for giving us so much of your time. Hey, thanks so much for having me on here. I am always down to talk about Mass Effect. So it's been my pleasure. Thank you. When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. And surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community. It's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama. Available anywhere you get podcasts. Podcasts.